Jay-Z was doing Black Album. Mm-hmm. Him and me driving in my car one day. He didn't have a car in L.A. I'm driving him around. I got a beat that says, Mr. Rockefeller, can you get this to Jay-Z for me? And he's like, let me hear it. And it plays for a minute or two, and he goes, no, I think, <laughs> I think I'm going to use that because I'm the new Mr. Rockefeller. <laughs> How you doing, party people? This is Talib Kweli, the BKMC, the MCEO. Welcome to another installment of the People's Party. Make some noise, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How you doing, Jasmine? I'm good. How are you? We got Jasmine Lee in the house. You know what I'm saying? Um, today's show is very special for me because we have a friend of mine. I love when I get to interview my friends. Um, this guy is an icon He in hip-hop. He's an inspiration. Uh, I see myself as a team player, but I know that I'm good at being a team player because I take myself very seriously as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. This artist is one of the greatest team players in hip-hop. Um, he's a super fantastic MC that I've learned a lot from. He's a great producer. He's an all-around great guy. He's part of a couple of different super dope hip-hop situations. I'm talking about Dilated Peoples. I'm talking about Step Brothers. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for evidence in the place. Yes, I'm excited. Big evidence spot. Woo! Oh, I'm sorry, the air dab. That's what we're doing here. Oh, man. It's good to see you, Ev. Thanks for coming through. Coffee. Coffee and wine. I'm start with the coffee. And okay. water. He's, you know, the wine, or wine looks like the glasses belong in like Jazzy Face Studio or something like that. Fire. Oh, did you say Jazzy? <laughs> have you met Jasmine before? We have. Hey, it smells festive. I feel like I'm in the right place. Yeah, man. You put it down. That's your spliff right there. That is. I was telling them, Evidence smokes like a Jamaican from Brooklyn. Yes. That's the only way to do it. Fonto leaf spliffs. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of things like a Jamaican from Brooklyn. <laughs> oh. We're about to find out what else Ev does like a Jamaican from Brooklyn. Let's go. Um, evidence to start off, I got to give you proper respect. Man to man, just as an MC and a lyricist, um, there's a lot of people who I look towards or look to that give me inspiration. Um, and you, as a lyricist, beyond you being a producer, um, I've learned a lot from you and from your style. Like the Mr. Slow Flow thing, like your line about it's not where you place your words is where you don't. Mm. That's something that I've incorporated in sort of my technique. That's crazy. You know, when I heard you say that, I'm like, wow, because I'm a very wordy, loquacious MC. You are one of the most. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> putting words where they don't fit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's sort of, and and, and not, it, I don't take away from my, because that's how I develop my style, right? My style comes from doing that. But when I listen to- as your style. It's my style, right? But when I listen to Slum Village, when I first heard, uh, in particular, T3, and when I heard you, and I'm like, the way that Slum Village was just sort of like becoming instruments to the to the beat. Letting the track breathe. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I got to thank you for that, for just being an inspiration to me. That's an honor, bro. As an artist. That's a straight honor. Yeah, man, yeah. definitely. Um, last time I saw you was in the south of France. We had a good night. We did. Fancy. What was the name of that town? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, it's, Kwali pops up at the craziest places. You always like... You are you are the definition of the traveling man. I know it's Moses' song, but it's, <laughs> it's like it's you always. Yeah, man, I'm stay on the moving always. Um, we had a great conversation, and we had a good time. Um, we had a great conversation, but what I took away from that conversation was, you've been very successful, with or without a deal. You've been very successful whether you're on BT and MTV or whether you're just out at some club in the south of France. To neither of us remember the name of the town. Yeah. Um, a lot of people will see evidence, and and myself, we they associate us with underground backpack rap or underground like we're just about the culture and in a lot of ways we are right that's what drives the 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 creativity but our conversation was about business and about marketing and promoting and how we do that at this age and this stage in our career and i think people would automatically assume that our conversation would just be about how real to keep it in hip-hop yeah you know what i'm saying like i remember when we were talking at some point you were like i wish we could just have this conversation on a camera, you know, cause it was right. like one of those moments. And um, yeah, here we are and you got this opportunity to do it. So I'm honored. I've been turning down podcasts, not that I'm like a sought out thing, but I, <laughs> like like just talking in, in like this mm-hmm. setting is, I'm used to going to the radio 
and they do like a little one two mm -hmm. little bit and then it's rap mm -hmm. you know and so like the interview part never i never got to like sit down talk and just feel free and um when you asked me to i was like yeah i gotta be grateful that that quality just you know wants me to talk so no doubt i'm here and um i can't wait to see what we get into no doubt yeah yeah um your latest album is whether or not yeah it's a great album on this album the thing that struck me you've always been a self-aware sort of a hyper self-aware mc like you're always like you don't down yourself but you're always talking very honestly about where you are in your career where you are in life that's sort of been your thing um but i feel like you went even deeper on this album yeah um you talked about yourself you you left evidence out of it for some of it i tried to it's, it's like a process i think we came up in a guarded era mm -hmm. you know i didn't know a lot about the rappers who i was you know, with their poster that I was putting on my wall. I didn't know a mm -hmm. lot about them as people. The the interviews we got were limited. Um, press was something you read, there mm -hmm. was no internet. And it was to sell the record. Right? To sell the record, and, and people did their, their interviews in their rap voice. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it was like almost like they were performing. It, it wasn't, you never got to know about the person so much. And the ones that you did that gave themselves to, it wasn't a surprise that they were the ones who ended up having a lot of success, you mm -hmm. know? And so, Knowing that era, like starting with that, that's like how you come out. You know what I mean? You, you're like always in your b-boy mode, and you're, you know, you're, you're doing that. It becomes like an armor. Yeah, yeah, and you don't really open up. But then it's that's cool because then it's not about your life so much. It's about what you do on the mic, how you perform, mm -hmm. you know, what you build as the Superman that you're building yourself mm -hmm. up to be. You know, and right. who doesn't want to be that as a kid? Like be something bigger than just a human. You know, right. and so you create this moniker and you run around as that. But it, after a while, that stopped getting rewarding to me it mm -hmm. didn't i started feeling like i was living something that i wasn't and I, I wasn't on record ever like rapping about things that i didn't do i was rapping with raka you know i mean i had somebody to check me always and dilated peoples and, and i had a group around me and and checks and balances that come with being in a group you know mm -hmm. and uh but when i started going solo when my mom passed in 2004, I was like, I made this song called I Still Love You. Mm -hmm. And we tried to put it on the end of a dilated album and it felt like just weird, mm -hmm. like n sore thumb. And it made me realize, okay, I haven't opened up enough to even do a song about this mm -hmm. and it be my art, you know what I mean? And so it was like, oh, I need to kind of hit a brick wall with that. So that's right. when I really wanted to do solo stuff. We always knew we wanted to. We were solo artists who came together to form a group, but at that point, I was like, I want to start, I'm not going to lose evidence, but I want to start shedding that more and then put me out for better or for worse and find the reward in that. And that's scary because if somebody doesn't like a line you say or you didn't, syllables didn't line up or something, that's, that's kind of whatever. But mm -hmm. if I'm doing a song really about my life and who I am and you don't fuck with that, that's going to hurt more, you know? Yes. But on the, on the flip side, the reward is when people do fuck with it then you're like oh shit like they actually like me for me and so that became more rewarding i'm not trying to be an emo rapper mm -hmm. but i'm not trying to be as guarded you know right. and so trying like to be human yeah human it's the yeah. scariest thing because <clears throat> you talk about putting on a persona or whatever so when you're that rapper evidence or whatever and you put something out it's like it's it's connected to you but it's not your personal uh it's a part things of you. Things that you've it's been a, through, though. Right. It's things you're like, in a way it is, it's like things you're aspiring to be or, you know, you're feeling like I could jump off a building or like, you know, you want to represent that to people and be a leader like that. But yeah, on the, on the flip side of it. It's the same thing with comedy because uh, you have comics that go out and they'll say like, they'll do jokes with, you know, just surface jokes. But when you go out there and you actually like tell people about your life and if they don't laugh at that, then it's like, oh, you don't like me. So it's so much harder, but it definitely is so much more rewarding at the end of the day. Right. I feel like for us, um, you know, I'm in my 40s. I'm assuming you're we're near the same age. Yeah. I feel like for rappers, when we get to this point in our career and you're still vibrant and active, um, what else are you gonna do but tell your story? Mm -hmm. Your last album um, reminds me of Race to Five Nine, last album, Book of Ryan, which True. I really enjoyed that because he really went deep and personal. Which is like an outstanding album. It's out fucking standing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, but his album is more like the the story of Ryan growing up, right? You your album you're dealing with like 
the birth of your child and you're dealing with your girl having breast cancer, you're dealing with things that are happening right now yeah. and you're letting us in. Um, and that, that feels different. Um, was that hard to do? Yeah, because there's a fine line to me on like, on selling sympathy. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause yeah, if you're down and you've been, and you've been a part of people's lives, it's their, I think it's their nature to want to help you. Mm -hmm and feel for you and feel bad or feel good for you. Right. But when you're putting out too much of that, I think it's dangerous. So mm -hmm. that's why like, I, I have a song about that, but then I got a song with Alchemist and Makami just spazzing out, right? You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, like for me, mm -hmm. I need to balance that because, um, yeah, I don't want to be the, the woe is me rapper or the I can only write about I woke up and ate breakfast like a, a daily shit. I don't want to do. I still want to have wordplay, and I still want to. I want to rap too. Right. Yeah. So you want to get better. I always want to get better. Right. That seems to be a focus of yours. Always. The idea that as we grow, we age like fine wine. We get better. Mm -hmm. It oh. doesn't happen much, mm -hmm. but if if you love it and you really do, and you have other and you have means to support yourself financially, mm -hmm. and you can dedicate love to this where it's not interfering with that or vice versa. The it's possible. It's very possible, hmm. um, and it happens. There's 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 cases of it. There's rock. There's rock Marcy. There's yeah. There's people out there. You, you know, know what I mean? There's you. There's the uh, Talib Kweli, like a motherfucker. Yeah. <clears throat> there there's a lot of people. Um, I, I could probably we could do a whole podcast about that. Mm -hmm. And then there's people who fall the fuck off. Mm -hmm. And I I think those people don't forget how to rhyme cat and hat and bat and mat. Mm -hmm. Just life gets in the way. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. And, and they, didn't, they didn't fall off per se. They just, rap is like um, the gym or anything else. You know, if you're benching. Yeah, if you're benching this much, you didn't walk in there and bench that much. You did reps and you did all kind of mm -hmm. shit to get you to that point. And then you leave the gym alone and come back for two months. You're not mm -hmm. putting that up again because. You gotta work back up to you it. You gotta work back up to it. And I think that's the problem is people think that they're dope. They take a step away mm -hmm. and then they come back and say, nah, I was dope. Mm -hmm. And then, nah, you ain't been working out. You know what I'm saying? And it's <laughs> right. like, and, and the people that I'm around are disturbed as far as work. It's mm -hmm. disgusting. You know what I'm saying? It's 26 hours a day. Go to Alchemist Spot. It's, it's like, it's adolescent. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like. That's interesting that yeah, you yeah. say that because even. You know, you talk about me being a traveling man, and, and one of my greatest hip hop stories ever is I had a show in. Uh, Amsterdam and um, I don't recall if how I found out that you and Alchemist and Fashan were in Amsterdam yes pre-Instagram pre-Instagram mm. right it was I, Twitter found, Twitter was popping it was Twitter or maybe even MySpace I don't know yeah. Twitter was popping yeah. I don't know MySpace. what it was I think it was Twitter but I MySpace found out that y'all were, uh, were in Amsterdam yeah. and um, I was staying at like you know Le Meridian or something like that right some sort of just chain hotel um and I remember even when I was staying at the hotel, I was like, oh, I got to stay at this chain hotel. I like to stay at nicer places than that. And I went to link up with y'all, and y'all were staying in a fucking hostel. Yeah. You, Alchemist, and Fashan, yeah. right? And now, at this point, you had success with Dilated at yeah. this point. Like, yeah. you're doing records with Kanye West. Like, Alchemist is Eminem's DJ at this point. Like, clearly, you didn't have to stay in a hostel. You know why we did? Tell me why. Because I know why, because you told me, but tell the audience. Because you could smoke weed. What? <laughs> was this pre before Amsterdam? Not was in allowed? Amsterdam, in the hotels, you know, there's still no smoking policies, oh. you know. So there's like, we just wanted a place where we could play music, dumb mm -hmm. out, smoke, and, and catch the vibe of Amsterdam. Now, see, yeah. I developed this whole romantic story in my brain for why it happened. <laughs> why? I was like, man, these guys are so ill. Like, they could just stay in the fancy hotel, but they got Fashan on the road, and it's his first time overseas, and they teach him how to grind. There was a part of that. There, there was a part of that. <laughs> that was the story I heard. <laughs> yeah, no, there was, there's truth to that, because we were, yeah, because I think his expectations were, because we had toured in the States before and stayed at nice places. Mm -hmm. I think the expectation was that, but when... We were explaining to him, like, yeah, we'll just get a little room and dumb out. It, it was definitely, like, his first off-the-bat experience. Like, okay, right. there's other sides to this or whatever. <laughs> they, they had the windows open. It was summertime, right? The windows was wide open. And there was huge mosquitoes oh, yeah. no. flying around this hostel, right? With little, and I, it was like an A-frame, like a little room. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I walked in. I'm like, look at these mosquitoes. And they, they, were, they were listening to music, smoking weed. The mosquitoes? No, no. Oh, the, just kidding. They were <laughs> But I, this is what I remember. I smacked a mosquito against the wall, 
and it was like a big blotch of red on oh, the wall no. this big and i'm like this mosquito has been sucking on all y'all blood all night right this cool. one mosquito has got all y'all ah being young <laughs> but yeah i got to go uh crate digging with you and alchemist which yeah we went all day yeah which is and and you know what i got to go crate digging and to weed spots can with, you explain what crate digging is yeah we dig for records because we you know a lot of production we do is sample based stuff so mm. There's a whole like art form to digging for records. Mm -hmm. um, it's more than just going to the section, of soul or jazz or prog. There's like, um, you know, we look for years and producers mm -hmm. and labels and um, all kind of little clues to to find the illest samples. Yeah. And so yeah, going to Netherlands mm -hmm. in general across the whole Netherlands, not just Amsterdam's fire. Right. Europe period is yeah. like for a person like me. Like a lot of the reason I'll even go tours because I know I get to go dig mm -hmm. previous to every show every day or God willing or off day. Right. You know, but yeah, that's, that's the shit. And, um, yeah, you went with us all day. Mm -hmm. We also went, we sort of crate digging. We, and we shot a video that never came out. We shot a video that the, the guy who shot the video was, was a guy I met on Twitter. It was Twitter. It was a guy I met on Twitter who said, I'm going to shoot a video for you for free. Shot the video and the guy got missing. Yeah. Oh. Um, but you took Was High Tech to, there? High Tech no, was, it was a. I don't know if he was there. It was a song that High Tech produced. Yeah, called called Lifting Off, a song about smoking weed. Yeah, which brings me to my next point. You took me to. I was already smoking weed in Amsterdam, but you took me to certain spots. You took me to Damn Crink. Yeah, I had to take off my hat. It was Damn fancy. Crink. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, well, I had baseball hats. Yeah, Put yeah. your pinky up while you smoke. Yeah, we had to take off. Our, I, I'd never. I don't take off my hat to go to nightclubs that serve champagne. So I was like, Oh, this must be some good ass weed. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, it's about respecting their spots. I think if they have cameras on the ceiling and people mm -hmm. with hats come in like this right. and you can never see who they are. That's God, what it God is. God forbid something happens. You can't wear a hoodie in there because yeah, they need to be able to see you. See you, that's all. But we know the owner, so. Right. You, uh, went, you took me to Gray Area. Yeah, that was where they had Kush. Right. I've been going to Gray Area since, back since that time. Yep. They're so, from Minneapolis, actually. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, you're like, you, you know a lot about marijuana. I know a lot about it from, yeah, yeah extensive practice. Yeah, man. Do you consider yourself a marijuana activist? No. Okay. No. Some people do. There's a lot of, a lot of smokers and stoners who like, I'm active in, you know, we had Be Real here, and he's considered a marijuana activist. That's by default, just because he's the poster child for marijuana. Mm -hmm. You know, period. He's the, he's our legend of mm -hmm. our era of that. Um, yeah, he's what got me into smoking weed. Mm. Right. Yeah. So. Do you remember when you first had weed? Yeah, it was a thing. Um, yeah, just copping a bag and um, making it. It could last a lot longer, you know. But it, w it was the same thing. Growing up in Venice, I think everybody smoked weed. Everyone could do a kickflip, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Everybody knew how to um, knew how where and where not to go. I think it was probably m one of the most culturally diverse places in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. My parents were from Brooklyn, so. I, and, and Coney Island by the water, so it makes sense that they moved to Venice Beach. It's like closest thing you're gonna get to that. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, growing up in Venice made you a certain type of person, and smoking weed was one of the things you did. Yeah, Venice is a huge part of your story. Yeah. Um, just like Brooklyn is a huge part of mine. Um, it's important in LA not to cut you off, mm -hmm. but like. No, please go on. When people say, when people say I'm from LA, it's kind of hard to know what that means mm -hmm. LA is so different the people mm -hmm. in the valley are not living the same life that somebody in Inland Empire is living that's living in South Central South Central to the South Bay to mm -hmm. to whatever it's like it's it's just different so when you can say I'm from Venice or I'm from Compton or I'm mm -hmm. from Pacoima or I'm mm -hmm. from somewhere like that it now we can like zoom into your narrative mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. versus just throwing up LA is like a broad a broad stroke the uh not to say that New York isn't, but like mm -hmm. you could blindfold me and put me in the middle of the Bronx and blindfold me, put me in the middle of Brooklyn. It might not feel like that different. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? It, 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 L.A. is so different. You it's know the same I mean? in it's New York, like, too. And I think it's that if you live there, then you understand the difference of it. Because from someone looking out, it's like, oh, everybody from L.A. is the same. From someone looking out, everyone from New York is the same. But people from the Bronx are different. People from Brooklyn, from no, people from Long Island. They are. But what I mean is the just structure of the city might mm -hmm. be similar or you know here like meaning one place you live by the you live by the water and this the other place you live 
next to a mountain. You know what I mean? It's like LA is so big that it, it, it just breeds so many different lifestyles and just what you look at. You know what I mean? And, right. and how that makes you. But I agree, but different. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, because my music is um, so pro-black and so socially conscious, and because I'm so vocal on social media. It is, but it, it never felt like that. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> um, but because it is... It, it, no, it not is. that that's good no, or I'm bad, just... but what I'm saying is it's coincidental. Mm -hmm. You spit. Right, so that, that comes first. That comes first. Yeah, you know what I mean? comes first. And so then subjects vary. Right, but because I'm like that, um, Jared has, has, has said to me that sometimes, like he'll mention that he's doing his podcast with me, and people be like, Quali, he's racist, right? So I get that. I get, I get people accuse me of that. And it's like, when I look at... You are the, the definition of how social media is different than meeting life. a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if anybody in the whole world, it's you. Right. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. Twi what Twitter, is... I mean. You know what I mean? Yeah, because people look at your Twitter and they form an opinion about mm -hmm. you. They mm -hmm. just do. Yes. how you choose to interact. Yes, I think it's just... And how much time you devote to the it. The time, the lack of what's going on in their life, because it really has a lot more to do with them. Yeah. Um, and just the whole unapologetic thing. Yeah. You know, you see it's a black person who's unapologetic, who's saying what it is. We're taught not how to how not to be like that. Mm -hmm. But because of that, you know... I have a lot of white friends, and beyond having a lot of white friends, I work with a lot of white people in hip-hop. I don't think you can work in hip-hop without working with white people, whether it's, it's in, in behind the scenes or as artists. But I would never say because I work with white people or I know white people that that proves I'm not racist. What proves I'm not racist is my actions and my words. Um, and I say this because it's hard for me sometimes to talk to a white artist in hip-hop without... Uh, uh, unnecessarily comparing them to other white artists because I never want to do that. What is interesting to me about what you do is that you have always felt very authentic to me as a hip-hop artist. And a lot of white artists in hip-hop, like without naming any names, without a lot of white artists in hip-hop, to me, and I'm sure to a lot of black people felt like, oh, this is someone who's acting black. Mm -hmm. Or this is someone who's trying to be black to participate in this culture. You have this level of authenticity that comes with just being evidence, I've never thought of you as someone who tries to act black or someone who's trying to be black or be in the culture. Um, and I, you know, I think that's very important. Um, and could you speak to that a little bit? I think once again, it goes back to Venice, mm -hmm. you know, growing up, um, and Venice was just a place where you had your guard up all the time mm -hmm. and surfers were fucking crazy. You mm -hmm. know, gangsters were prevalent. And so you learn how to move and you learned, you learned about people's culture. You just mm -hmm. did early. So I'm grateful for that. I'm just grateful. I think the only way you can really maybe do what you're saying is to be from it, mm. you know? And so I got, when my parents got divorced, I lived in the north side of Santa Monica, which is a very nice neighborhood, you know? Mm -hmm. My parents were renting a house. Um, they split at four. I moved to Venice and then that was my, that's what shaped me. So I'm, you know, my father wasn't all with him and I had a little beef in my like informative years mm -hmm. from like 12 to 16. We really kind of fell out. And those are like the important, important mm -hmm. years, you know? So who raised me? Raka. Raka, right. He's like my, my big brother slash father. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, and so, you know, things I learned early, his cousin came home from jail and, uh, you know, and he, we're all smoking, and I'm 15, you know, and, and I didn't know any better, and I just asked him, you know, what'd you do? And everyone was just like, you know, and Rock was like, yo, Ed, let me show you this rhyme I kicked. Pulled me in the other room, and it's like, you know, around here we say what they get you for, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, noted. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But, like, how are you going to learn that? He was giving you codes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, you know, and so, like, it just taught me how to, he taught me a lot as far as... Street like, smarts. Yeah, street smarts and how to act you know what i mean and then so i'm kind of you just you're just imitating i have mm -hmm. a son he's just imitating me mm -hmm. all day long you know what i mean so at those years i probably looked to Raka a lot for a lot of that and um can we give him some he, shout outs to Raka era science yeah yeah quick. Raka is my man that's my Show big love my big bro you know what i mean yeah and um, so we love Raka. Raka. yeah you know but i don't know just being true to who you are and and um yeah because i and, see this and bleeding you know just what comes out of you if 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 it came across like that then i i'm blessed that that, right. it, that it hit you like that there could be somebody else who thinks differently you know what i yeah, mean yeah it's and like so, that movie um the jonah hill movie uh the 90s 
um, which I enjoyed that movie. Um, I, I enjoyed the performances from the kids, but it was hard for me to relate to that movie because it was like this. Um, so there's this white kid in L.A. Was what neighborhood were they in in that movie? Was it? I never saw it. Me neither. I don't know. I see. It might have been Venice, but it's like I was like, was it Venice? I see somebody shaking their head. It's like Venice. It's like. It's a L.A. It's based in L.A. The movie. I didn't see it. I'm watching. I'm, I'm watching hearing the it. valley in my head phones. <laughs> but Santa Monica. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, which is close which to. Which was Venice. I was talking about. That's where I was. Raised. But still, totally different. Right. Town so than Venice. Yeah. Like it's the movie is sort of this like this this homogenized white kid getting introduced to hip hop because he's trying to imitate what he thinks the cool kids are. And just, you know, the diverse cultures and him the learning nature the of being young is that, you know, yeah. like I was just saying, you just want to imitate what you like. You know what I'm saying? Keep going. Oh, yeah. Going. Um, what was interesting to that to me about that movie was the movie was about this kid who was an outsider. But I was far more interested in the stories of the kids he was trying to imitate. Mm. And I feel like you're one of those kids, you know, um, that was the point I was trying to make. Um, but yeah, so. Social media, we were talking about social media earlier, and you were talking about how people see me different based on my social media interaction. Yeah. Um, you're very um, premeditative with the way that you use your social media. Yeah. Stop. And you've always been like that. Overthinking, smoking everything. <laughs> all right. All, everything you want to say is in a draft. That's mm -hmm. where all the real shit is. Like, right. And once in a while, you get the guts and ah, shit, right. you hit that button. <laughs> but you kind of like beasted on Instagram. I was early. Yeah, like I, you got me on Instagram. Yeah, I saw what you and Babs was doing on Instagram, and that made me interested. I was because I saw how you could be creative with it. I didn't get to the creative level. You guys are ill with the photographs. If y'all don't know, uh, follow Evidence on Instagram. Um, you know, right now he's like, I he's inspiring me because of how great of a father he is, but mm. also on Instagram, but also like the photography is crazy. Like you, you're like very creative with it. Love, yeah. The, there was this app called Instagram and there was nobody on it. I'm mm -hmm. talking only people from Japan and Istanbul, Turkey. It was mm -hmm. a weird thing. It was like this for overseas app we thought or something and it was it was dope cuz you could put filters on the photos. Mm -hmm. So Babu my DJ put a picture up one day and it had a ill filter on it and I didn't understand it. Mm. So he's like I stopped posting photos on Twitter and I'm putting them on Instagram. And then he said, it's dope because people leave comments and the, they leave mm -hmm. comments. Mm -hmm. And I talk back to them there. And he's like, I'm just doing this. So this was 2011, mm -hmm. something like that. So I, my mother was a photographer. My cousin, well, she's my aunt or my co second cousin Some removed. She's yeah, she's like that. <laughs> and, you know, she's one of those. She, um, she's like one of the best. So I come from a photography background. So I thought this would be fun. I'll take photos. And I won't answer questions about rap. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll just pretend I'll create a new moniker for myself as a photographer. Mm. And so I started doing that shit and it got contagious. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was fire. Ten, ten likes, you're on the popular page. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like, it was the beginning of that. And so it started spreading really fast. And I built up a following of people who weren't even aware I was a rapper. Mm. So if I have 300,000 followers, I would say there's 100,000 on there that have nothing to, have nothing to do with rap. Wow. And it maybe even opened them up to me as a rapper. Um, but yeah, we were early on that shit. Mm. Social media is such an amazing thing. I actually was early on Instagram too, but I like was like, oh, this is whack, no one's on it, and I left, and I, that's like <laughs> one of the biggest mistakes. But it's so important being in social media, especially if you're an underground artist, and that's music, uh, actor, anything, like you can literally take your career and shape it the way that you want to do it. That's the thing, I, once I learned how to use a camera and got, it, it inspired me to get a real camera and everything, there was a while where we stopped using our, our iPhones or droids or Androids and started loading up photos from our real cameras and started beasting out like that. After I really learned the mechanics of the camera, it taught me I stopped doing that and I started doing more posting about my life, mm -hmm. more my music. Mm -hmm. And so I declined on the on the photography because now I'm shooting photos of my son or I'm shooting photos of Alchemist or I'm shooting photos for covers for artists. I just did mugs and Crime Apples right. cover and you know, like things so like that. So that's turned into like now you're shooting covers. Yeah, but I don't it's not a I don't like it if it's a job. Mm -hmm. I don't well, want you, I don't want you to tell me what to shoot, but if I can if I can do what I want, then I love it. Right. Yeah. So I mean, Mugs is a homie, but do you see that doing that for people for a check? I'm not doing it for a check for them. For the right. love. That's what I'm saying, though, because you that's just a homie. Well, and, and, 
and uh, a hero. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's like, I'm honored. Um, and he's no slouch with like, he's a visionary. Just no, like he, he Cypress architected Hill. that yeah, whole Yeah, the Cypress, Cypress is one of the greatest inventions in rap history. So mm-hmm. the, the movement of that. Right. So for him to trust me is like, that's tight. That is tight. Yeah. That is tight. Tell me about your relationship with Kanye. How did you meet and how did that This Way record happen? That happened, um, I'd imagine, around the get by time. Mm-hmm. Oh, one of my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Was it 2003 or four? Yeah, maybe? 2003. Yeah. And you were in the studio with him a lot, right? Yeah, so the we were on Capitol and we had just our last album. We had a song called Worst Come to Worst, which was like a big record for us. Mm-hmm. We were getting play on things we hadn't got play on before. The album almost went gold. You know, we were like. Mm-hmm. We toured. We, we toured. Tour yeah, time. that record opened up a huge thing for us. And. Um, yeah, doing a lot of touring, and we toured previous to that. Okay, we toured on, on platform our first album, AB, ABB days. No, we were on Capitol. Okay, um, it was you and High Tech. We were on the same bus. Remember? Okay, yeah, we were. <laughs> we crazy. were like a bunch of pirates. That shit was crazy. Was um, it bunk beds? That's so. That's, yeah. a, that's like a whole another life. Coffins. But, Coffins. Yeah. Uh, don't let me forget this, but just because of that, I remember I brought my MPC and I was like, "High Tech's gonna be on the bus and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna beast out." And I set it up in the back and I was like, "We're ready, turntable." And he's like, "I ain't making beats on a bus, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta have my shit, my speakers, the way I need it, the way I like it." And I was like, "Oh, you're ill like that." <laughs> but um, oh, worst come to worst, yeah, yeah. So it opened up a big thing for us. And the next album we made, I think our label had expectations of us raising the stakes you know mm-hmm. so it was the first time we made an album and they denied it like we turned it in and they mm-hmm. were like nope no single so we're like whatever black eyed peas had just popped off i think they felt like uh, dilated peoples and black eyed peas mm-hmm. some kind of similarity they had added fergie and mm-hmm. went from here to like over the roof mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what i mean and so they were like you need a hit right and so they're like we'll and we were just like young and and defensive and <laughs> fuck the label the mm-hmm. man trying to hold us down etc <laughs> you know and so we're like then you tell us who to go make a hit with and they said two people they said scott storch or kanye west and scott storch was the biggest but kanye west wasn't so mm-hmm. we were like you mean the guy who did beanie siegel like mm-hmm. that should sound mm-hmm. like an alchemist beat to me you know what i mean we'll or do that. we'll do that if yeah. that's what if that's what's going to take us to the promised land like mm-hmm. we'll go there Mm-hmm. So we didn't know about Kanye yet. Nobody did. Mm-hmm. Um, Through the Wire wasn't a video yet. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it in the studio at making edits, you mm-hmm. know, and like changes. Wow. So, um, but he had this weird determination about him that was like nothing I had ever witnessed before. And I had been around the fucking greats. Mm-hmm. If, if Premier played you some shit, he would play it and then he wouldn't look at you while he played. He'd just look off in the corner because he knew what was coming out of there was so crazy he didn't have to sell it mm-hmm. Kanye West was the first person I ever saw like jump on the console and start rapping and making sure I look away before he does you right. know what I mean yeah. like he was yeah. sick you know That's what I mean passion. yeah it was weird but there was nobody even to, it was just him and me mm-hmm. so it was like what are you doing you know what I mean yeah, it, it was like, when you really love something or you really like you, you want to see like how they're reacting to it for the record I never gave him that I never looked away first you know what I'm saying <laughs> I never did that with him but I think that speaks uh, uh, uh. to um why Kanye was so successful mm-hmm. oh hell yeah but, but you know so to get to it once he got there, now I was like, oh, I see why they're doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't get it. Then then his little wave, which I say little, started. Mm-hmm. I think with your record, it was probably the, you know, the funniest part about this, and God is my witness. I watched that video, and for, I had no idea who Kanye West was. I used to say Kane West. I used to pronounce <laughs> it right. You know what I mean? I didn't even know. I remember one time he asked Alchemist, how you get your drums like that? Mm-hmm. Like, he was like some guy. You know what I yeah. mean? He wasn't yeah. on any radar of any sort of greatness to me. Right. And uh, I watched that To Get By video, and for some reason, there's some guy in like three minutes, three minutes, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, whatever it is, songs were long. At the outro of the song, just singing the chorus for one second, and I always thought to myself... Whoever that is, is going to be somebody. I swear to God, I did. And it was him. It he, was did, him. he had one little part in your video. He was like, on a 125 <laughs> You know what I'm station. saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what happened was he was shooting 106 in Park. Mm. And it was, in, uh, it was in Harlem at that time. And it's like, he had, he had a couple of minutes to shoot. We were like, let's just go to the 125th Street train station. We got him for a couple minutes 
singing the chorus of Goodbye. And but you didn't even like use a lot of it. No, we just used like that one part. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I, I something about him. I was like, and then he had there was another thing like in Source like up and comers, and he had on like the blue Adidas. Rod Laver joints or some mm -hmm. weird the shoe I knew but in a weird color mm -hmm. I was like hmm you know something about him was always like who is this but right. so getting You're very with observant him, yeah mm -hmm. getting with him and then I seen it and I seen it just happen right in front of my face it was like his whirlwind happened and then we shot the video for that through the wire came out he shot um, all falls down mm -hmm. right around the same time mm -hmm. we went on tour college dropout tour Right, I forgot y'all went on that tour. Us Young Guns yeah. and wow. Kanye West. Mm. And then my mom passed on that tour. I left. <sighs> and then uh, and that was it. That was it with him and I. And I was mad at him for a long time because he was the dude who... Most people make songs for their mom when they pass, when she passes. You know, he was the dude showing his mom, like, at the time where people didn't really hey, do Mama that record? Shit. Yeah, they didn't do that. That's the Tupac first Kanye did, Pac did it. That's the first record he ever played me that he did. Yeah, you know, and Pac did it too, but the way he did it was like, he was he would like bring his mom on the road and shit. Mm -hmm. You know, like he was like like a mama's boy wow. rapper. You know what I mean? So like, he never called me. I, I, I was Don C, everyone, mm -hmm. they all hit me. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? But he didn't, I, was, I felt away for a while. And then um, Common was making the second album. He called me. And I went to the studio and chill with them, and then everything was cool from there. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But um, did you ever say anything to him about nah, that? No, I didn't say shit. No. I think he knew. You know, it didn't matter. You know what I'm saying? It was just a thing. But um, to go back, mm -hmm. while he was making Last Call, I played him the the beat. I submitted a beat. And you produced that Last Call? Yeah. And so that to be part to be like the only outside producer on College Dropout mm -hmm. album that sold. God knows how right. many copies, you know. And we're and connected because that, because on last call, which you produce, he's talking about me and me taking him on tour. Yes, and 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 uh, that song like is a lot of people's favorite song, mm -hmm. like hands down. Like people say, last call is mayonnaise, color bends, call it miracle whip. Yeah. Sorry, like everyone knows that shit. Yeah. And that was like the the uh, that's like his mo that was his moment where he he killed the world and mm -hmm. so jay-z was doing black album mm -hmm. him and me driving in my car one day he didn't have a car in la i'm driving him around i got a beat that says mr rockefeller can you get this to jay-z for me and he's like let me hear it and it plays for a minute or two and he goes nope i think <laughs> i think i'm gonna use that because i'm the new mr rockefeller <laughs> you know what i'm saying and I'm, like, I'm sitting looking at him but he his album's not out yet right. you know what i mean i'm like who are you to deprive Deprived me of a Mr. shot to get at Jay-Z. He was so <laughs> early with that. And then, but the funny thing is when you watch Fade to Black, he does play it for Jay-Z. Right. Mm. So he did. You know what I mean? He did do that, but he didn't let me know that. And then uh, this dude, my homie 3H, who worked at Capitol. Shout out to 3H. Yeah. We were just talking about 3H the yeah. other day. He called me one day and was like, yo, I'm at Larrabee Studios right now. And he puts the phone up and he's like, didn't you do this beat? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, they're almost finished, bro. You should get down here right now. Mm. So I got in my car. I swear it turned into a helicopter. I drove <laughs> over L.A. You know what I mean? I got and walked in like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And the mus there's musicians replaying the sample. I guess it didn't clear. Mm -hmm. And then I, I caught the end of it. He was doing the end of the verses. And, uh, yeah, I got to be a part of the, seeing the record finish. And him and I had a big argument. Like, he pulled me into the, uh, into the like, well, there's a vocal booth, and then there's a studio, and then usually there's, like, a, a room in between those two so you like walk in you know mm -hmm. that little middle room between the booth and the mm -hmm. and the console mm -hmm. um he pulled me in there it was airtight and he was like so this is going to be the biggest rap album in history right so, <laughs> right. so right. we need to talk about what happens when people ask what who did what <laughs> you know what i'm saying i'm like well, how does it go and he's like you did the music and i did the drums and i'm like all right but then we're listening and i'm like that's my 808, right? And he's like, yeah, but I put it low. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wait, those are my chimes too, right? Yeah, but you hear how the hats are going? Well, I put the just to get by drums on top. And I'm like, got you, you know, whatever. It was just so funny to see something that was like literally changed the whole era of rap. Mm -hmm. The whole climate of it, just to be there for the beginning of it. And that was the second time. The first time I got to do that was when Alchemist and... Scott Kahn were signed mm -hmm. to Cypress Hill, mm -hmm. and I got to see them hang around with them in their in their prime, and then watch them right. blow up. Because there's one thing when you hang out with an artist who's on their downslope, 
or something. Mm-hmm. To be with an artist like when it's their time and the youth and all that is like right. is different. And they know. And they know. Yeah, <laughs> it's different. It's different. So right now, um, Mad Lib and Freddie Gibbs are enjoying success with the bandana. That shit is fire. Yeah, it's a great, great record. Yeah. Uh, people are, Mad Lib is like an enigma. People are like, how is he doing this? And like he's tweeting, like, I made these beats on an iPad. Yeah, he's trolling. Right? <laughs> I spoke to him, though. He was like, I, he played me some beats off his iPad. I, I mean, <laughs> an iPad is just, I can pull up Pro Tools on an iPad. Right. It's just a screen. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so you... Same as a computer. It's the right. same. It's a smaller version. So you started. Did you use your knuckles? Like that's fire. You know what I mean, or whatever. But, right. But that's that's where I'm getting to. Is like, you know, how much, how important it is it to have the the right equipment. You started with ASR10. Yeah. Right. And then you talked about wanting to work with high tech on the MPC. Yeah. Um, Mad Libs talking about iPads. Shit, I, you know. I did that. I did Reason. Then mm-hmm. I went back to ASR. Back to that. I do like, a- what do you need? What what equipment do you need? You don't need anything. This is the beauty of it. I mean, you need a piece of gear, but. Mm-hmm. You got all this technology, Ableton, wild shit. You could do anything you want, and every beat is still a kick, snare, mm-hmm. hi hat, loop, a baseline. So I can make it glitch more now, or I can make it. I don't know. It's like, to me, if it's not raw, if it's not good when it's raw, you can dress it up all you want. It's still, right. if you're making a soup, you get the base right. You don't have to pour a bunch of shit on mm-hmm. top of it. You know, otherwise you fucking overdo it. Or, or or trying to cover it up later. It's mm-hmm. like putting perfume on instead of taking a shower you know what i mean it's like the uh yeah it's so cool that you guys can literally make beats anywhere now like you that's can just fire. carry that's around your equipment with you don't have to be in a certain spot but i still fuck with high tech for yeah. for for nothing like being in your studio mm-hmm. with your room that you understand that's very important it, to it, high tech um part of the reason why quality the solo album even happened and which i met uh kanye doing that record um the blast was successful and we got an opportunity to tour and I'm like, okay, it's time to tour, time to go on the road. But what I didn't realize was that high tech sensibility as a producer, he felt limited by essentially being Talib Kweli's DJ. It doesn't matter what I say. And you were on the road with us. You were on that bus with us. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many times I say in an interview, it's Kweli and high tech. It doesn't matter how many times I say he did the beat. As the rapper, I'm being promoted and marketed more, and I'm being put pushed to the forefront more. And I got the microphone, mm-hmm. so it's like I'm being, you know, people are naturally coddling me more and treating me different, and they're treating him on the road, even though it's a group, like he's just a DJ, right? So it's like when it came time, not everyone knows what a producer even is. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Um, so when it came time to go on the road with Badu, it was a tour of Badu. In my mind, I'm like, we got to go on tour with Erica Badu, and our tech was like, I'm gonna stay home. And I'm going to stay in the studio because what my bread and butter is, is making these beats. And there was big checks at that time. There was big checks. He got, so, you know he saying? started working with Dre and Snoop after I'm that. I'm saying, so it's like, you know? I could go grind it out or I could stay yeah. home and make this. I didn't really get that at that time. And, it, you know, we had a, a falling out behind that. Not, I don't, I wouldn't place the blame on him. And I, I would, I definitely wouldn't place the blame on myself either. But it was like, I do understand now that it was hard for me to understand because my, my money was in touring mm-hmm. at that time like it's like you know okay we split in the money but it's like i can go do a show without hot tech you know it's like i didn't need him to tour and i think he he recognized that this is where i need to be in the studio yeah a lot of producers don't want to be the star mm-hmm. their place is behind the board you know mm-hmm. it's it's i think pete rock changed that i think kanye definitely flipped it on its head oh, yeah. but there was artists who were known producers and probably marley mar i guess the first was like being a producer album or whatever but yeah there's people the the shape of the producer changed as time went on they be, they moved to the forefront more mm-hmm. they used to be more to me like the role that the engineer plays now right like my work is in the studio mm-hmm. i'm not out here for mm-hmm. credit the people who know what i do know what i do right so who is yeah. the best producer on the mic best producer on the microphone <sighs> Everyone can make beats now. <laughs> Royce 5'9", right? Royce 5'9". Royce is so official. I need to start making beats so I can get in on, on this best producer. I got you, Tyler. I can make you some beats now. I got an iPad. Yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's, that, that, that's out the window. Um, um, were from you from in, that era, I'll have, to, I'll, I'll have an answer before the end of it. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, and growing up in Venice, uh, Quincy Jones' son, QD3, grew up around you or near you. Next, that's how I got into rap. Oh, tell me about that. I lived, like I said, I lived in Santa Monica. When I moved to Venice, I, um, 
God blessed us to move next to him. Mm -hmm. And I didn't... At That's the crazy. Yeah, at the time I was a skater, mm -hmm. graffiti artist. Mm -hmm. I loved rap. I was an EPMD fan. I mm -hmm. was whatever. But <clears throat> I never thought about how... what, Who made a beat. I didn't know what right. a beat was, whether it was a band or I knew people were sampling James Brown. I didn't really... I, didn't, I just listened to music as one piece of thing. Like mm -hmm. the same way you go to a movie and watch it, that's how I listen to music. Mm -hmm. There's movie editors who, who can't watch a movie because they're like, oh, that cut right. too early and look at the fade, oh, that, oh that's fucked up. They right. can't enjoy a Critique movie. Critique it the whole time. Yeah, because they see it in, in parts. They, mm -hmm. don't see it in, they don't see it as one thing. That's how I used to hear music, in one piece. Mm -hmm. And so I never knew what rap, how it got made. And um, what happened was is he was... All night I would hear the music. He, his studio was in his garage. And mm -hmm. all night I would hear music start and then stop. And then start and then stop. And I could never understand why I didn't just let the motherfucker play. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? It. Yeah, little did I know. So my back wall of my house was in an alleyway. And my mother used to let us do pieces on our back wall. So we, mm -hmm. like all weekend, we'd be out there doing pieces on our wall. And his garage entrance was next to the wall. So every time he'd go in and out of his house, he would like wave to us mm -hmm. or whatever. And one day he stopped and just looked at what we were doing. He was like, this is fire. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, come back, come check out what I'm doing. And mm -hmm. so I went back there, and he was scoring the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. No. Which was oh crazy. Oh, my God. And I was just, what the fuck is this? He's playing little keys. And yeah, playing. Playing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I was like, this is crazy. And he's like, yeah, my dad's Quincy Jones. And I was like, no shit. Um, and then he's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a music producer. And he had like... He had dreads, and he was like a good-looking dude. And I was like, well, why don't you rap? You know, and then he's like, no. Like, he had a deal, though, right? Yeah, but he was just a producer album. Right, I remember that album. Yeah, yeah. And so he was like, nah, my, my place is behind the boards. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is fire. So I would see, he would let me come over there because I'm 13, 14. I can go over there, smoke, drink 40s. Oh we are like, you know, this is like my heaven. <laughs> right. Then Alchemist was like, <laughs> Alchemist. That is your heaven when you're 13, smoke and drink 40s. That's not what I was doing at 13. Uh, yeah, I was in Play Venice. with Justin Timberlake. Uh, yeah, and then Alchemist wanted to come over. Dolls, dolls. <laughs> I'm <just laughs> confused by that. Justin Timberlake dolls. <laughs> Jesus. What do I do? Wine, water, coffee. Uh, Get some wine. I'm on this vino. Right, so Cheers, baby. There's truth salute, in this. Salute, salute. The, um, a studio at that time to make rap was not common to have, right. have a place. So Will 1X, who's Will I Am, mm -hmm. he would come over just in hopes of us going over there, Alchemist, Ahmad. Ahmad. All these right. dope motherfuckers, DJ AM, everybody would all like want to come to my house because if you did, that meant we could jump out of my window, mm. go next door, mm. smoke, watch Everlast come, come too short, watch people I, come over and rap and just yeah. sit there and go, wow, this is fucking crazy. You know, I didn't like, know this... I didn't know these stories. Yeah, wow. they're good. Red Foo. Wow. Like, everybody yeah. was, like, coming through. This is the L.A. scene. Like, I have these stories for myself. Yeah. It's Washington Square Park. What right. you're describing, like, that's that's my Washington Square Park. You know, it's like, that's at all these people that you see. Everybody was in this one one space. But Washington Square Park essentially was these two cribs. See, so, yeah, we all went over there. We finessed money. Make my mom give Quincy a hundred dollars so I could go over there and record you know so what I mean that also like, goes yeah. into why when you're going back to where you were saying that it's more authentic for him because he literally grew up in the business like mm -hmm. listening to you making some of yeah, iconic it's, music it's like you grew up in the music business like like you know you think about you know Scott Khan, whose father's famous or Quincy Jones son is you know, famous you didn't have famous parents but it's like you grew up around these people just mm -hmm. from sheer sort of ambition or just good right luck, place, right? you know what I mean, luck, or whatever. Uh, proximity. proximity, you know, you watched the Bun, Bun B episode, we talked about proximity being key, your, your proximity was um, very key. And then he made the best out of his situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you're hanging out with people who are really good at what they do, then mm -hmm. you're gonna Rubs off imitate it, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, imitate now, it. You met LL Cool J back then too, right? I did, at Quincy's studio. So you what? met him there, so you played him a song? I played him a song, and it was so bad, and he, <laughs> and, and he, and he, he mustered up the good energy to sing along with my chorus. Really? And yes, and then, it's like, you know, and then whatever, I always think about that when I meet somebody who <laughs> plays me something, because he was at the top of his shit, and he didn't have to do that, mm. and, and it wasn't even good, you know, and so it's just like, you gotta like, not discourage people, even if you're not seeing it sometimes. Have you seen him since then? No. <laughs> LL is another like enigma. I was doing some work on a potential show with him once uh, recently, and uh, you know, I just got he DM'd me. What? And I was like, I didn't respond for what? a day because I was like, that's not really LL DM. Somebody hacked him, you know. And I mustered up the courage and I hit him back. 
and we got on the phone. He's like, what's up, baby? No. Like, <laughs> I was like, Ella Puja called me baby. This what? is great. I think you have to, to know what that means. You got to kind of be from that era a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. To, like DJ Revolution, like LL Cool J retweet or wrote DJ Revolution is on the air killing it right now. And, and right. then he retweeted my 10 year old, my, or my 20 year old, 20 year old me is flipping the fuck out right yeah, now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because yeah. it's still like, you know, what he did. And that's the thing. When you really kill an era, you, people don't forget about it. When I was um, uh, at the height of Get By or something, that's where I met LL. I met him backstage at like a BET Awards or something. And it's like, we're passing each other. He's like, you're really dope. Mm. Like, that's what he said when I first met him. Um, but you know, okay, here's my segue. LL was a ferocious battle rapper, oh. yeah. right? And because he was a ferocious battle rapper, by many accounts, LL Cool J is Eminem's favorite rapper. One of them, if not his favorite. I listened to this thing on a Tony Touch show once where LL Cool J is a guest and Eminem calls in pretending to be an LL fan and is like kicking these LL rhymes. And he's doing it so good, LL's like, yo, you're really, really dope, <laughs> right? Now, Evidence is the homie, shout out to Evidence. He dissed Eminem on your record. Oh, Everlast. Everlast. You, said, you said shout you out said Evidence. evidence. I was like, I yeah, 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 I was like, shout out Evidence, I'm no, like, wait. No, no, that's he's a good, like, that's a good segue, segue because Everlast used to come over to QD3's house and mm -hmm. rap, and I used to watch that. And when I thought of a name, I was trying to think of something similar to that. Wow. Wow. So yeah, Everlast Eminem. I kind of, I kind of ripped Everlast off. In a way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's too so, many E's going yeah. on here. I'm getting confused with all the E's. Yeah, there's, e -E. A, there's a lot of white rappers with E's. <laughs> with, with <laughs> oh yeah. It's really look it up. Actually, it's fucking. Fuck. It's a, it's a whole it's, like uh, rabbit hole of white rappers that start with E. That's okay. The yo, white rappers start yo, pack. Trust me. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's a real thing. Make a note. I'm gonna check it. Oh, check it out. Goes, I keep going, bro. Um, but did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it gets so bad. We'll like when this camera stops. We'll do it. <laughs> yeah, nah, nah, yeah, I don't yeah, want to do, do it. Right we'll now. do it later, Jared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yo, but uh, um, did you know he was gonna do that though? No. So ever? Yeah. So this whole thing is a huge mistake. That's mm -hmm. that was the funniest part of my beef with. It. Eminem was a big mistake. Um, oh fuck, it, it's so bad. <laughs> but uh, I, I, do uh, can people come to a podcast twice or once you're done, yes. you're through? You no. can never come back again. This is your only time. No, I'm all saying, right right now. No, like this historically is like one and done. Or no, you, I did drink champs twice. All right, so yeah. I, I want to save some shit for the okay, next. Okay, yeah, yeah, for the next one. Yeah, we don't yeah. need every story. We don't need everything. But the um, no, I had no idea when he said I buck. A buck of 380 on ones that act shady. Right. Planet Asia was there. Defari was there. Um, Phil the Agony was there. Rocka was there. He's naming all my good friends. Oh. You know, everybody was in the room. He didn't come out the booth, and none of us went, damn. Like, it was, it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Then I listened back, and after it, I realized what happened. He said, Haley, maybe a line or two later. Mm -hmm. And then whatever it was, it went A to B, and I was... Or I was out of that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. See your way out. You know what I mean? Right. That, that was me. I was over there. I didn't even understand what was happening. Um, I guess because Eminem and I had hung out with Mad Child, my homie. We had. Right. I, I wanted to ask you about Mad Child too. Yeah, we had. I had Mad Child in town from Canada. We went to a um, to a Unity thing we mm -hmm. used to have in L.A. Right. I think Ethan, shout out to Bigger B. Bigger B. Recipes, uh, Orlando. Mm -hmm. I, I think. Uh, we were watching EPMD or something like that, and me, M, and and Mad Child were all just kicking it, watching it. It wasn't. He was like around the scene, doing a lot of the same shows mm -hmm. we were at that time, so it was wasn't weird to me. I guess he felt like because maybe we had met and been cool that I single-handedly allowed Everlast to to diss him. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the case. It mm -hmm. was just something he did, and he didn't. Everlast knows he didn't warn any of us. He did mm -hmm. that. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And whatever. Um, and so he went back at me personally because of it. Um, and you know, getting dissed by Eminem in the prime of his career. That's I'm talking cool. about, I'm the, no, it was not cool at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, diss me, please, no, Eminem, no, no, please no, no, diss no. me. <laughs> the real Slim Shady was out. He, right. he was on over the top of the world. Probably the biggest rap moment in rap's history, arguably, mm -hmm. is the, 
the emergence of Eminem. Behemoth. Goliath. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I went to, there was a coffee shop I used to go to in the morning and get bagel and coffee. And I went there and the girl looked at me one day and, and she just looked at me and just started laughing <gasps> in my face. Wow. And I was like, and she was like, what are you going to do? That's what she told me. What are you going <laughs> to do? <laughs> My life is so different no. yours in certain ways. That's crazy. So I went back and wrote a rap against him. And, mm -hmm. it, and it, whether you like it, don't like it, or anything in between, I got respect. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I thought I did good for, for the time. Mm -hmm. I said some good shit. <laughs> um, and I just had more info on him because he was famous. Mm -hmm. And I knew some girl in Detroit who knew things. Mm -hmm. And she snitched on a bunch of little mm -hmm. things and i was just like oh okay right and and then he hit me again with another disc and it wasn't that good you know what i'm saying it wasn't he didn't have much on me it's mm -hmm. not like he had a lot of or even cared to be honest mm -hmm. either which way another one went out i didn't feel a way about it and then rest in peace uh proof rest in peace yeah rest in peace to proof man my man such Mo a good dude man my man montage mm -hmm. got on a phone call with uh proof and bizarre montage who rose was stronger yeah Okay. He got on the phone with me and, I believe, Bazaar and, and Proof all at the same time on a conversation. And he said, uh, it's over. Mm. And he said, y'all don't want it in Detroit, trust me. And you got to come here. And in L.A., you're down with everybody. We're down with Cypress, Exhibit, etc. Right. This makes no yeah, sense. Yeah, and you, you doing, were you working with Alchemist at the of course, time? And yeah. he was, was he working with Eminem at the time? Not yet, but okay. they were, you know, probably wasn't soon after that. And um, but they were still down regardless. Mm. You know what I mean? And so... He was, and I said, where's Eminem? And his quote to me, with montage and everyone is my witness, was, I speak for Marshall. So I said, cool. And he said, by the way, there is one more disc that we did that's coming out. <laughs> but we put it only on the bonus joint because we're trying to, and so don't respond to that. Mm. You know, and, I, and when I heard it again, he really wasn't going at me. It was more Everlast. You know what I mean? And so that right. was it. And it, it dwindled away. Right. Eventually, uh, you know, Paul and I are cool. Right. Um, I seen Eminem backstage at a festival one time with Alchemist. You know, a little, there was a little like, we're cool, and um, they pl I get played on Shade Four or Five. Like mm -hmm. I'm blessed. That whole thing couldn't have worked out any fucking better. Like right. nothing really happened. I got to get respect for not backing down mm -hmm. to somebody who was. Yeah, you stood your ground. Godzilla. You know what right. I mean? And and then that was it. That was it. That's dope, man. Yeah. Um, tell me more about your special connection with. Alchemists and stepbrothers and it's just such a special thing for hip hop. Yeah, he's he's like a he's definitely one of my best friends, mm -hmm. uh, if not the one. And um he's a special dude. He's a mm -hmm. weird he's a weird guy. Uh, very oh, overly driven. Mm -hmm. Knowing him well it comes from his pops, mm -hmm. you know, who's just like a, a force, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and uh he's just like some people are just good at shit, man. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like he's, he's, he's like good. he's a dude. I don't know if he can or not, but if you give him a drum kit, he'll have it going by the end of the day. Or mm -hmm. a video game, he's gonna beat it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? He's just one of those like determined people where he, things click. And um, I do I do say it a lot, and I'll say it again: is I always always remind myself when I'm hanging out with him that yes, this is my friend, but this is the guy who did this. This is the right. guy who did this. This is the guy who did this. That I watched go from completely just copying Premiere and copying Large Professor. Mm -hmm. We used to not use his beats because they were just bites. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It was like, Rappers Are in Danger comes out and right. he's got a horn beat sound just like that. And he could do it though. Mm -hmm. That was the interesting part is like... It's interesting, like when you, when you speak about high tech with reverence, when I first met him, what he was doing was he was trying to copy Diamond D and, and Showbiz and Premiere and all of them. And it's like, and he, because he didn't have the relationships or the resources, I think a lot of producers who weren't in that New York crew were overworking, like working hard, like how, like going all out their way, but that's how you become great. It is. It's like you, you take apart a car and put it back together. Mm -hmm. You know how it works. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even if you didn't build the car. So I watched an interview with, uh, with M. Tume mm -hmm. when he said there's only three steps to like any art and it's imitation emulation innovation mm. Mm. and he's saying the first one is i'm paraphrasing but the first one is where you see something and you say i want to do that so you copy it and then the second one you move on and then you're not um you're not like listening like like oh the kicks go like that and then you're doing them like that it's not like that anymore but you're still considering and then the third one is where you just you become mm -hmm. you or whatever and i watched him go through all of those phases mm -hmm. he's he's entered innovation recently like even in the recent years he's my mm probably biggest inspiration for 
getting older and not getting worse, you know? That's so, dope. yeah. So he's just, he's an ill dude. He could rap. Coming up, he was the best rapper around us. Mm -hmm. He always had this little, when his voice, before he got big, he had this Grand Pooba, MC Light kind of voice. <laughs> That's he, interesting. It, it was crazy, man. <laughs> I'm trying to put that together in my mind right now. Right? Well, <laughs> oh, MC Light does have a, you know. Right. It was crazy. And, um, yeah, just to watch his evolution, to, to throw rapping to the back and be determined to be one of the best producers and achieve it mm -hmm. is, um, yeah, it's inspiring. So right. even till today, every day. You're no slouch yourself oh, on man. the production. Oh, man, I'm working. And, um, you know, your, your production style is a foundation for West Coast hip-hop, a foundation for... You know, dilated is dilated peoples is such an important group in the history of West Coast hip hop, in the history of underground hip hop, in the history of independent hip hop. Um, man, y'all really did that, man. Shout out to Babu, yeah. shout out to Rocka, and, and all the other producers too. You that know, that, that it, came it, in on those records, yeah, you know. Yeah, but yeah. I, but you were like Grant, the grandmaster of it, right? Yeah, so it was like the sound was it, yeah. Yeah, like so. Can you just give us a little bit of the history of how dilated started? Dilated started with. Um, Rock, meeting Rocka, mm -hmm. place it's similar because it's funny. There's a place in LA called the Hip Hop Shop in Detroit. There's a place called the Hip Hop Shop. Mm -hmm. Same thing. It was a place on Melrose. Graffiti artists went open mic. We would go there all the time. Rocka mm -hmm. worked there. Mm -hmm. I had a beat from QD3. Mm -hmm. At that time, having a beat from a producer wasn't a normal thing. So I would use that to go around and be like, <laughs> I got beats from QD3. You know what I mean or whatever. Right. But I still didn't want to rap alone. I knew mm -hmm. that. So I was looking for somebody. Alchemist and Scott Kahn had formed their hooligans happen, mm -hmm. so I wasn't going to be part of that. And um, I think I wanted to rap with somebody who looked like me more, mm -hmm. but that didn't happen either. Mm -hmm. And so I found Raka, and I, I met him. And the the cool thing was is he asked I asked him to kick, kick a rap, and he opened his book and he had a rap, and it said verse one, <laughs> and then it's it finished, and then it wrote hook, and then that happened, and verse two, and I was like, wow, what a organized thinker mm -hmm. you know what i hadn't met anybody who was like writing mm -hmm. in maybe song form he's writing he, bars yeah he, yeah he wasn't writing just bars he mm -hmm. kind of had like a vision so i was like let's do a song we did over some qd3 beats and they weren't the songs weren't good i think we developed over a long period of time um some groups get to get good and then they come out killing shit mm -hmm. i think we came out doing our best and and people got to watch our our evolution publicly you know, which is dope. I remember the impact of his of work the angles for me. That shit was crazy. I, that's is that what's the first single? Is that the first single? No, first thing was third degree with the far eye. Third degree, that's yeah. right. Third degree. Third degree, I bought that in fat beats. Yeah. But I remember work the angles was just smothering. That like I through. DJ now, I still play that record. We went through the roof with that. That was we we got on like radio. Mm -hmm. I used to drive around and go from Power 106 to the beat mm -hmm. at the time, the two killing it, and yeah, we'd be on both at the same time. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, flipping back and, and then forth. And then Beat Junkies was taking over the radio at the time. Friday nights, yeah, Friday all, night all the mix shows were happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, it was it was just a, a really, like, that was when we That's why our stories connect, because Black Star and Reflection Eternal happens when we leave New York and we come to do Unity. Mm. That's when, that's, that's my, the beginning of my, that's my origin story. Doing performing four to five live at Unity because they were playing it on uh, Friday Night Flavors after like Work the Angles. Yeah. And well, in between that and the Feel the Agony of the Fire record or something. Yeah, that scene was crazy right there. Yeah. Yeah, good times, man. Um, I We're near the end, but I did have another question I wanted to ask you based on something you said earlier. This is a world that I don't know about. So hip hop is, you're completely hip hop. Uh, I didn't know that you were a writer. Hip hop mm. is the writers and the exciters and all that. Um, I remember just growing up in New York, graffiti such a huge part of the culture but i never had a tag i never had a name i didn't have a book i never wrote my name in bubble letters and stuff what you know i didn't do any of that i'm sorry i'm sorry I'm oh sorry. my god that's all i used to be in here. class um but william uh upsky which is a writer for the source he used to be a graffiti writer back in the day he wrote a book called bomb the suburbs that i read when i was a teenager and what was incredible to me about this book was he grew up in chicago um but the graffiti scene for him was uh, freight trains. And he was talking about doing big, huge pieces. Like, they didn't have the subway, so they're doing pieces on freight trains and how he just would jump into, like, freight train cars wow. and travel the country. And that was the graffiti scene for him. And I'm like, as a New Yorker who grew up, you know, with the inner city jungle vibe and the concrete, I'm like, wait a second, so you're out in some field somewhere 
Can you tell me what the L.A. graffiti scene was like when you were a kid and how it differs from the New York scene? Well, Venice Beach was like the mecca of that mm -hmm. for the west side. Right. And the east side might have had the Panic Zone or Belmont Tunnel or right. these different things. But there right. was, it was based on yards. I, I, I want to keep going. And yards were train tracks. Okay, yeah, yeah I yeah. want you to keep going, but I want to just jump in. You describe B-Real as a hero. And when he was on a show, he talked about how he got his name because it was a graffiti tag name. Oh, and he tagged it on a wall. Got you. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, so that was it. Graffiti was the was the thing, and it's funny. We I never when we did music. I I think we carried Rocket was a art, graffiti artist too. I think mm -hmm. we carried a lot of that mentality into the music, which is could be a reason for like artifacts did. No, not go, no, just the mentality and saying maybe what I mean by that is graffiti is you would do your work mm -hmm. and then what your work was on the wall is how you if people knew who you were was how you got judged. There was right. nobody to see you make it. Mm. So you could be anything or any walk of life. Nobody knew until they find out that's you. And then when they do, it's like a uncovering a mystery movie. Mm. You're like some mythical creature. Mm -hmm. so all to say is when we started our shit, we put stickers on our covers. We didn't, our first album, second album, third album, no faces on the cover. We were still kind of like, let's not sell us, let's sell the work. The you know what I'm logo. saying? Brent Rollins. Okay. Yeah. Brent Rollins work, did work for Raw because he did some stuff for us. He's one of the greats of all time. He yeah. did a Black Stars cover, right? <laughs> so the oh, guy yeah, who did, <laughs> yeah, he did, he did that little thing. The guy who did the Black Star cover also did the Dilated logo. Wow. His Boys in the Hood logo. He did mm -hmm. um, did every logo. Gangstar. Was there ever like a time where you were uh, tagging like the police almost caught you or you had to like Yeah, run I got caught. Your... Yeah, that wasn't the shit. No? <laughs> I didn't get caught by the police. I got caught by a construction worker oh. who saw me bombing and grabbed me and held me until the cops came. What? It was the, a it concerned was citizen. Yeah, yeah. A good Samaritan. Fuck that guy. I'm making a citizen's that. arrest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I bet you know how to get out of that now, though. I do. I do. <laughs> Shout out to the Gracie family. Uh, I've been doing jujitsu for a long time now. That's, okay. Yeah, that's the. That would have been the answer. No doubt. Well, evidence. It's gonna kick somebody's ass to get out of line. No, mm -hmm. only know how to get out of something. Right, defense. Oh, no, yeah, you can't get, you just got to <laughs> run after that, huh? Yeah, but I'm out. Mm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, evidence is in the house. Thank you all for having Woo! me. This is dope. My first podcast. This is your first Ever podcast? Ever. Ever. Yeah, that was it. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. That's a joke.